Welcome to the True Crime Squad. This is Katie Weaver. I'm here with my sister, co-host, and partner in crime, Christy Brower. Hello. Hello. Hey, everybody. feel like How's I was going? just here. That's right. It was. <laughs> I know. I, and thank you for holding down the fort. Uh, you bet. Yet again, yeah. I was traveling, and I'm home for like 10 days. So Weird. I know. <laughs> I'm glad. The pigs are glad. I bet. They're not speaking to us currently, but, you know, they did oh, accept no, their no. dinner, however. Well, I mean, <laughs> they're not insane. Yeah. Well, right. No. And, and they're pigs after all. But right. at any rate, thank you so much for uh, holding down the fort. I appreciate you it always. You. We had a great time. Yeah, I know. You've been out here doing all these lives and all this stuff. And I'm on the other side of it, like following everything and dying because I can't be here to talk about it. So <laughs> right here. And there is a lot to talk about. Woo-hoo. And I hear you see here in the chat. Welcome everybody in the chat. I see uh, you guys. Uh, yeah. Everybody talking a little about the summer call. We will definitely be airing the summer call. If you didn't see it already, we've already aired it uh, on our, our channels, but we'll be, it'll be a part of this production tonight as well. For sure. So. Cause we've got to talk about it. Holy crap. That was heart-wrenching. Holy hell. Mm -hmm. And also, go Summer. Yeah. And also, Summer, I'm sorry. I have not had a good opinion about you, and I think you didn't deserve it. Yeah, I, I agree. I totally agree. I, I Now that I hear this, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, yes, fighting for the kids. I Yeah, I do appreciate that. Yep, absolutely. It's interesting, because I've got a little different uh a little different attitude towards Zulima than I did. Mm -hmm. uh, I still have some contempt for her. She knew. She knew about Charles. She knew. But, uh, and she's making that clear. She knew. But she was not the, uh, she was not the personality I expected. Uh, yes. Court. Yeah. And now Summer. Uh, yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Halo says, I agree now. We cannot judge Summer any further. Agreed. Nope. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a good wake up call for all of us in in all of these trials and cases. Like, right, things may seem to be one way, but that may not be true. I think we also have to remember that if this was happening in your family, because this has happened with Emma too, Emma, Emma, mm -hmm. uh, Emma Daybell, Emma Murray, that we've mm -hmm. you know we all kind of had a shitty attitude about Emma, um, you know, because of the way she's reacted to this, and then we all kind of had to step back and go, what would you do? How right. would you act? What would you do if this was your situation? You know? Right. I, well, I, I, with only part of the information, like Summer yes. said, you didn't tell us. We didn't know the kids were dead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. And and I think it's just a good wake-up call and reminder to all of us to be a little careful about who you're judging, you know? Because mm -hmm. they really may not deserve it at all. Yeah. yeah. It's true. For sure. All righty. Well. Let's get into it. Should we just dive right into court today? Let's jump right in. So, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I'm in the ballpark. I think that the uh, our first witness today, of course, that was carrying over from yesterday, was witness number 28. I think yeah. Summer was witness 29, and then the witness this afternoon was witness 30. I Understand that. that there were more than 90 subpoenas to go out. 
So right. we still have we're at 30. a lot of road to cover. Whew. Right? Yep. This is the beginning. We're still in the beginning. Believe it or freaking not. Maybe we can call ourselves kind of in the middle, but there's still a lot of ground to cover here. Right. A lot of things to hear, a lot of things to prove, a lot of evidence to uh, put in on, on the record, to fight about, to uh, all the little bits and pieces, the nuts and bolts. So uh, we still have a long ways to go. Yes, we do. But let's go ahead and talk today about what happened. So, of course, we pick back up with FBI analyst Nick Balance. Mm -hmm. uh, he was yesterday's uh, last witness as well. He right. tracked the cell phones belonging to Chad, Lori, and Alex. Mm -hmm. And so they started this morning with Rob Wood on the direct. And they had an, a report that was prepared by Balance uh, regarding cell phone activity. Thomas did not oppose it, which, you know, he's opposed most of the uh, discovery and lost like 99% of the time, I think. But he didn't actually say shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Wood had a map on the screen showing the activity of the Homer J. Maximus account. Remember that Homer J. Maximus is uh, Alex's email? We had a pretty good laugh about it last night. <laughs> How can you not laugh at that email address? <laughs> you know? <laughs> we had a conversation about where it came from. I did a little Google search. And yes. We had some funny stuff. So. Uh, so we saw a map with uh, cell phone tower activity the morning of September 9th between Chad and Lori. September 9th, of course, is uh, the day that Tylee, we believe, uh, died. So between 1142 and 1147 on September 9th, Homer J. Maximus was in the vicinity of Chad's home. Uh, he left. Let's see. Shortly after the phone attributed to the Homer J. Maximus account, uh, he that account left Chad's property the morning of September 9th. Mm -hmm. What does that mean, you guys? Does that mean that Alex was there long enough to drop off Tylee's parts or her right. body? That means that Chad did a lot more of the work here than... Everyone, uh, then, then, of course, then I think Chad's uh, camp would like you to believe. He right, wasn't there very long. Right. His phone wasn't, at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought that was odd. The timing is weird. The timing is weird. But again, that makes me think that uh, Chad did a lot more of disposing and burying of the kids' bodies than he would like to uh, admit. Yeah. The timing, I think, just can't be denied. That is very strange. Yeah. 11.42 and 11.47. That's five minutes. Yeah, I know. It's not very long. Okay, on September 23rd, between 3.59 a.m. and 8.34 a.m., Chad sent numerous text messages to Lori. Okay, consider that. This is the night when who has a bad dream yeah david warwick and couldn't get Love a phone warwick yeah in the middle of the night and supposedly yeah. they called Lori twice and texted chad twice and he neither of them ever responded yeah. and yet they were in constant contact with each other at that time yeah they were clearly all somebody, awake yeah if you call somebody at 4 a.m and they don't answer i understand that they're asleep in bed but these guys weren't 
No, they weren't. They were very active Mm -hmm. on their plethora of cell phones. Yes, on their plethora of cell phones. Okay. Also on that day, Chad made a call to Alex at 9.25 a.m. Chad also called Lori three times from 9.30 to 9.35 a.m. And, of course, they believe that J.J. was killed September 22nd to September 23rd, right in that window. Yeah. So then jurors were shown a map of Alex's movements that morning. The account registered to Homer J. Maximus was on Chad Daybell's property from 9.55 to 10.12 a.m. Again, is that enough time to dig a shallow grave? No, it's not. Chad had already dug the grave. In my mind, Chad had already dug the grave. Alex came out there. They put JJ in the grave and they spent a few minutes together because he was there for close to 20 minutes, uh, covering him with the wood, with the rocks and throwing some dirt over top of him. Yeah. He already had it ready. Yeah. I I think you're right. It was all prepared. Yep. Our grave digger, gross, Mm -hmm. had, had it all prepared. Yep. Yep. This, I think this is, you know, and we heard all this, I think back in the day when they, at Chad's preliminary, but the, I don't, maybe we didn't hear all these times or maybe we did and it just didn't sink in, but I don't think we got the time. Yeah. I think we got that they were there in the morning or whatever, but I don't think we got the actual times like this. Yeah. So Balance talks about the Homer J. Maximus account history from 10.12 to 10.20 a.m. on the same morning. It was on Chad's property at 10.12, but eight minutes later, it had left the property and was south in the Rexburg area. So he got the hell out of there. Yeah, he did. He was there just long enough to drop off that body, and he was mm-hmm. out of there. Uh, Thanks, let's Barbara. See. Alex had, or a phone attributed to him, had a 545-second phone call with Lori, or a phone attributed to her that morning during this time frame. Right. So they're all in communication at the same time. All around this time. These bodies are being buried. I mean, come on. Like, they were just talking about other stuff and not what Mm -hmm. they were doing? Yeah, right. Yeah. Tammy died on October 19th. On October 9th, Chad sent a text message at 9.57 a.m. to Lori. Got to stop by the store right now to get that other number working. Hopefully won't take long. Then he sent her a second message at 10.26 a.m. and said, I will call right now from a 401 number. Yeah, the Rhode Island area code, remember? It was one yeah. of his Google searches that they talked about yesterday. Mm-hmm. He looked up Rhode Island to find out what their area code is and then put that as his area code on his phone. Yeah. Yeah. So shifty, Chad, really, really. Everybody's really thrown off. It's really a miracle that these guys are such shitty criminals. Well, and it's a miracle that we have the capability now. I guess it's a miracle. It's also somewhat terrifying to think about how much they were able to put together about what these guys were doing. Yeah. Using their phones, their phone accounts, their Gmail accounts, like the way that this is all, you know, stitched together is unreal. Yes, it is. Agreed. Agreed. Absolutely unreal. Okay. So moving forward. 
At 10.27 a.m., a 401 number calls Lori. That's the number attributed to Chad, so we know they're in contact here. Of course, October 9th is the date that Tammy Daybell reported a masked man with a paintball gun that tried to shoot her in her driveway. The Homer J. Maximus account was tracked to Lori's Rexburg apartment on the afternoon of October 9th. He then moved to his apartment. Around 2.42, the account starts to move towards Idaho Falls. It's tracked at or near Sportsman's Warehouse in Idaho Falls at 3.17 p.m. Hmm. Buying one of those 46 fucking guns? <laughs> yeah. Probably. Uh-huh. I'm guessing. And what else? I mean, they had said, I had heard in the past, and maybe this is... Uh, going to be proven wrong but i had heard in the past that the uh silencer that he was using was homemade yeah so i don't know that he was like going to purchase a silencer because it sounds like well, he actually made can you purchase a silencer like in a store what? i don't know i don't know i don't know that's a good question yeah i mean this is idaho yeah probably you can yeah i'm, I'm forgetting my place <laughs> beginning at 4 47 p.m uh, it shows the device near the area of the Daybell home, 4.47 p.m. It's there until 4.46 or 4.56 p.m. Uh, Blant says they can't determine the exact route that Alex took to get there, but uh, GPS locates Alex on the same road at 4.58 p.m. where Chad lives. Yeah. Less than 10 minutes later, he's on a Sugar City road. By 5.15... it out of there. Mm -hmm, by 5.16... He is back in the area of his apartment. Yeah. And so T Sugar City is a little teeny town. That's where Tammy worked at a school. A little tiny community uh, outside of Rexburg that Chad's house is like Chad's kids would have probably gone to Sugar City schools. I, that's right. kind of his vicinity. To, so to say that he was in Sugar City, that was like a couple miles. Yeah. It's just a little Sugar town City vicinity outside of the Salem area. Yeah. Yeah. So numerous text messages were exchanged that night between Chad, Lori, and Alex from 528 to 1031, you know, saying things like, oh, shit, I missed. Yeah. Thank God she thinks it was a, a paintball gun. Yes. You know, mm -hmm. this has happened. Lori screaming, you're such an idiot. You can't do anything right. Yeah. We've heard the other end of that conversation, haven't we? Yeah. Balance says... Chad texted Alex six times that night. The first message was sent at 7.30 p.m. The last message was sent at 10.29 p.m. Now they were texting all night, a flurry of texting, trying to figure out what to do now. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, it, it, it did not work. Yeah. So and There were questions, oh, in the Reddit group I was seeing today about why people thought it was a paintball gun. It's because that's what Tammy said. She thought it was a paintball gun. Right. Yes. But it was not a paintball gun. It was a gun with a silencer on it. Yeah, she thought it looked like a paintball gun. The silencer, because mm -hmm. again, the silencer, as we understand it, was homemade. And that this was a, it looked like, apparently, it must have looked like a toy to Tammy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Also, because I don't think Tammy, in the month of Sundays, thought that somebody was going to show up at her house and shoot at her in her driveway. No, I'm sure she went right to something like a prank because yes. she would never expect that. Uh, Halo Sugar City is a little town. It is an agricultural town. It's named Sugar City because in that area they used to grow sugar beets back when 
before sugarcane really took over, yeah. sugar beets were a real thing, and they still are in some places, but that's why it's called Sugar City. They don't grow sugar sugar beets there anymore. I don't know if it's quaint. It's little. It's, little. <laughs> it's sweet. Um, potatoes. Mm. They grow potatoes. Lots of yeah, potatoes, potatoes out now. There. Yeah. Uh, but it does sound quaint. <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, uh, okay, so... Uh, cell phone activity on October 18th. This is the day before Tammy died. Alex's cell phone was at his yes. Rexburg apartment between 1.56 p.m. and 8.54 p.m. Text messages were exchanged between Chad, Lori, and Alex. There was also a call that was over 49 minutes long between Chad and Lori. Where was Tammy? Right. She would have been home that night. Maybe. Maybe she wasn't, but... He's How yakking he... it up with his dumb girlfriend for yeah, almost an hour. Yeah, an hour-long hour phone call with his girlfriend. I That was kind of, I thought that was kind of interesting. It made me wonder, where is Tammy, right? Uh, once the 401 number was activated, Balance said there was heavy interaction between Chad, Lori, and Alex from that number. So, a phone attributed to Alex Cox was located at a church near Chad Daybell's home around 10.07 p.m. on October 18th. Yeah. Chad told investigators that Tammy died in her sleep early October 19th. Three text messages were sent to Lori Vallow, one at 11.34 and two at 11.35 p.m. Balance says he is not able to look at the content of those messages. You guys... Did Alex kill Tammy? Did Alex kill Tammy? Alex this was new phone. information. Yes. What the hell was he doing out there? Alex Cox's phone traveled south from the area of Chad's home around 11.54 p.m. At 12.09 a.m., the phone is north of Idaho Falls. Wow. What? He so I want to show you a picture of the back of Chad's house. Right. So here's this is the back of Chad's house. This little A-frame deal is a is an add-on. The rest of the house is brick. It's older. This is an addition. This is the only part of this house that would have an upstairs. Mm -hmm. When the police came to search the property on June 9th and subsequently discovered the kids, Chad was asleep in his bedroom upstairs. Mm -hmm. Meaning it has to be this little addition. Yeah, you see the well, window there. There's obviously a room above that garage. Mm -hmm. Look at the door. Yeah. This is a back door. I mean, on the front of this house, there is a garage, a driveway. I mean, there's, you know, places to pull in where their cars are typically parked, the people that right. live there. So this would have been an easy shot if their bedroom was up here at the time that Tammy died, which we don't know that for sure. Right. But we do know that Chad's bedroom was up there after Tammy died. Right. So how hard would it have been for Alex to slip in a back door and slip up to Tammy's bedroom and suffocate her? Well, I don't know. Park at a church nearby and walk. Because they said yeah. that his phone pinged near a church. Right. But I don't know that that, it, that might have just been the closest ping. May have been. But I mean, like, he probably didn't pull into this property, but That's snuck true. back around there in the dark because it's it's not like there are streetlights out there or anything. This is. Full right. on countryside. Yeah, countryside. Holy yeah. Shit. So I have so many thoughts and I can't wait to see Tammy's toxicology. But my thought is that Tammy either willfully or on 
or unwillfully took a sleeping pill of some sort and went to bed. Yeah. I'm guessing she was out cold and yeah. Chad ushered Alex through that door, right up those stairs into that bedroom and he suffocated her. And then he got the hell out of there. Well, that would explain why her body was cold and stiff. Yep. When the paramedics came the next morning, when he said she died in the morning, no, she didn't. Mm -hmm. She'd been dead for hours. Mm -hmm. To be cold and stiff, she had to have been dead for hours. She would have to be. Ugh. She would have to be. So God. their son, Garth, was working uh, in the neighborhood at a haunted forest. And oh, supposedly right. he got home around 11. Mm -hmm. Which also so, makes me wonder, was Garth home when Tammy was murdered? Or did the hell if their bedroom was up there in like home. practically a different building from yeah. the rest of the house? Maybe he would not have known. I agree, Cat. Mm. Chad is too wimpy to do it himself. Alex had already failed at least once. He had to get over there and get his job done. Yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, think about it. Probably he killed Tylee. And he killed JJ and then turned their bodies over to Chad to be dealt with. Yep. Then he did the same thing with Tammy. And yep. he killed Tammy and then Chad dealt with it in his, you know, in his, you know, way of convincing people that there was no need for an autopsy or just denying that he wanted one or whatever. Yeah. <sighs> wow. Well, and back to that, I mean, I know a lot of people have been really shocked that Tammy didn't immediately have an autopsy and that the family had the choice. Do you want an autopsy? Oh, no, it's okay. And you guys that live in other bigger places that have more skilled coroners are like, what the hell? Actual real that would coroners? Have been, yes, that would have triggered an autopsy. Right. Um, but you have to remember the patriarchal element in this town. Yep. Everybody here, or nearly everybody here, is LDS, and the men have the final say. Yep. And they asked her husband, and he said, no, it wasn't necessary, and that was the final word. And I know that sounds crazy to you guys that don't aren't familiar with this uh, religion, but honestly, it's not surprising to me at all. Not at all. Not at all. They would have definitely deferred to their dad. Yeah. They would never have suspected their dad oh, yeah. of this, ever. No. no. I cannot imagine how destroyed they must all be now, knowing that they went along with this ruse yeah. unknowingly. Yeah. You know, I, I, I just, my heart really goes out to them. I cannot imagine what it must be like to be Chad's children. Oh, it's got to be horrible. Horrifying. Horrifying. And Tammy's children. Yeah. yeah. Tammy's children. We know that Tammy's funeral was on October 22nd in Springville, Utah. We know that Chad received three text messages from Lori that day and that he responded to at least one of them. Yep. Blant says two incoming messages were received on Tylee's phone in Hawaii on December 5th, 15th. Uh, police believe she had been dead for three months at that point. And that ended the direct. John Thomas came up for the cross. Uh, first, he asked Blantz about his background and how, be how he became an FBI special agent. Uh Asked him about more about his background. He actually said the Daybell case was his first one as a member of the Cellular Analyst Survey Team, or yeah. CAST. However, he is very well trained. No worries. Then they went to recess, came back uh, at 10.45. Thomas asked Balance to describe how t uh, drive testing works. 
Drive testing means they get in a car with a piece of equipment that's constantly taking measurements of radio frequencies, and then they input the data into a computer program and map things out in relation to cell towers. It's all yep. pretty technical stuff. It's one of the reasons that there was so much, dare I say, a voluminous amount of evidence. Right. There yeah. was so much data, so much data. And it's part of what the defense has all been, uh, both defendants uh, have been pretty upset about, is that mm -hmm. it's so much data that they don't know how to interpret. They don't right. know what to do with. Well, yeah. get an expert. Experts I mean. Specialists are for. <laughs> yep. Uh, Thomas referencing the charts said, great charts if you know what you're doing and what you're looking at. But for a layperson like me, it's difficult. Yeah, they were salty. Yeah, but he's trying to point out to the jury that this, who knows what all this really means, you know, that Thomas is great for playing dumb. Prior rolled in just about this time, by the way. Yeah. And uh, also, by the way, while I'm on the topic, uh, there is a status conference for chat on May 5th. In Ada County, it'll be right there. <laughs> I know. Damn it! So we can't go. We can't go. And I doubt that one is streamed to Madison. But uh, yeah, interesting. I mean, of course there is. That beat has to go on. Mm -hmm. They still need to schedule a trial. Right. There's all kinds of stuff that Prior needs to do. So I'm sure they need to have a status conference. Okay. So let's address Alex for just a second. Cause I yeah. have two theories. Okay. I don't think they killed Alex either. Alex did something that killed himself or the stress of this situation killed him. He had a propensity toward blood clots. He had a blood pressure problem. They found some propensity toward having this issue because he had a bunch of blood clots mm -hmm. in his autopsy. I wonder if he literally stressed himself to death. He told Zulema the night before he died, mm -hmm. they're going to make me their fall guy. Mm -hmm. So he either took something that they haven't figured out or he was just so stressed about this mm -hmm. that his blood pressure went sky high and he died of a bunch of blood clots. I mean, I, I think he totally could have literally stressed himself to death. I, I can accept both of those theories. I'm still leaning heavily on suicide because of the patriarchal blessing. Right. And I know me the too. The contact but... that Chad had with him that morning yeah. still makes me go, nah, nah. But the talk didn't find still, anything. So I don't know. Absolutely, Lori could have convinced him to do something to himself. Absolutely, sure. she could have. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. He did whatever Lori told him to. And as the warrior, they told him at some point he would know when it was time to leave and get out. Yep. And he did. But that's true. Cat Link said uh, she thinks it was stress. It would have been suicide. Yeah, it would have been a bad way. Then he had all those guns. Well, he didn't because he left them all in Rexburg. He didn't. Or yeah, he probably still true. had some guns on him. Although sure suicide did, is but... a huge, huge no-no in Mormonism, just like lots oh. of other religions. Well, yes, but translated beings don't have to follow it's the true. rules, bro. It's true. Mm, it's all so ugly. Okay, so I'm not going to go through all of Balance. I think we got to the most interesting parts. The cross was pretty lackluster. I mean, it was they they at least crossed today, but mm -hmm. there, there was one thing that was very important because on the day that they can place Alex where they can place him mm -hmm. when the kids were killed and all that stuff, 
guess who they can't place? Yeah. Lori and Chad. You mm-hmm. know why? They turned their location services off. Because mm-hmm. you can. Yeah. And you know who they didn't tell to do that? Because he probably wouldn't have known on his own? Mm-hmm. Alex. Yep. There are no location services for Chad or Lori on those days. Yep. yep. dink. Yep. I think not. And I bet that, I bet you that, that to Alex wouldn't even know how to do it or would have needed them to tell him. And that yep. they plan to do it themselves so that it looked like it was all him. Yep. I think that's absolutely true. And then, of course, the day that uh, Tammy died, uh, Lori was, her phone was tracked in Hawaii. We know she was in Hawaii when Tammy died. Yeah. But we also know, you know. Oh, yeah. The EMTs gave him Narcan just in case. Yep. yep. That was just a, somebody goes that's down. That's standard protocol now. Mm-hmm. Just in case. Yep. I know that everybody picked that up like it could be a clue. And it could have been, except for that it's just standard procedure anymore. So. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So let's talk about summer because right after that summer came to the stand, uh, people were seeing summer in the courtroom earlier that day. So we figured this is what was coming. Uh, and we also knew that this phone call was out there and we hadn't heard it yet. So we've been very interested. Summer, uh, according to Nate Eaton, when summer walked into the courtroom this morning, she smiled at Lori. When Summer comes to the stand, Lori looked at Summer and smiled at her. Uh, Boyce had noted that Summer is there representing Tylee, so she is allowed to observe other witness testimony. And she was there yesterday as well. Uh, So they start out by asking Summer, you know, what her relation is. And she says Tylee and JJ were her niece and nephew. She said she played an active role in the lives of JJ and Tylee. She said she learned they were missing December 2019. She said she was not in contact with Lori at the time and did not know where she was. She was crying. This was really, really hard for Summer. And she mm-hmm. really did the best she could to maintain herself. Yeah. It was, this is, was extremely hard. Uh, Rammel asked Summer if she spoke to Lori about the missing kids. She said that they spoke in February 2020. So this would have been when Lori was uh, extradited from Hawaii back to Rexburg and initially put in jail. Yeah. Summer said, I don't remember the exact wording, but basically she told me she knew where they were and they were safe. Pretty much the same thing she told Colby, right? The kids are safe. We're going to be together again soon. Don't worry about it. Everything's fine. Bad guys after me. You know, that routine. Yeah. Blah, Uh, blah, blah. Bullshit. Yeah. So then, of course, when Summer learns on June 9th that the kids are dead and that they were buried in Chad's backyard... She said, I felt lied to and my trust in my sister was broken. On June 24th, 2020, she received a request from Lori to call her. So Lori put a request through the Telmate system to call her. Mm-hmm. And Summer did. Now, so we're going to play the call. A lot of you guys have already heard it. We have cleaned up the audio and turned it up as much as we can. It is very hard to hear. It's you hard still to make hear. you need to turn your volume up some. Mm-hmm. But I did raise raise the level a bit and clean it up a little bit. So there's not as much of the like shrieky sound in the background because that's really tough to take. That, that's hard. And also Summer is crying so hard through yeah. most of it that it's that's a little hard to crying and, and it's hard on the heart. Are you screaming? She takes Lori to town. 
Yeah. So let's go ahead. And you want to get that going? Yeah. Hi. How are you? Not good. And how are you? Not good. I don't know what to say. I can't. 
love to. You cut me and mom off for four months and told everyone not to trust us because and we tell Adam. And now we find this out and you expect me to just keep going on faith when there's been zero explanation and you expect me to just keep believing without ever having a question? I don't say that. That is what you're saying. Either explain it or don't expect me to not be upset and doubt you when the kids are on Chad's property. I'm not okay. I love that with all my heart. I would have taken Tylee and JJ in a heartbeat. And everybody else would have too. You know that. If they were in any you danger. No idea what happened. You're right. Nobody does because you said nothing. Because Every, because everybody sees what's on TV. That has nothing to do with TV. This is about your and my conversations before you left and cut me off. And now you expect me to be there for you and you were going to abandon me? And if you weren't in jail, you wouldn't even be talking to me and we wouldn't even know they were dead still. This is your opinion. Yes! I deserve more than that. I've been there for you like a rock. And I I went on TV and defended you. I've done everything to defend you. And I still would right now if you would tell me the truth. I would, I would love to. Well, then. I would love to. You didn't want to in October, November, December, January, or February. When you weren't in jail. Why didn't you tell us then? Why you didn't call me when Alex died, which now I'm glad he's gone if he was a part of this, but you didn't call to tell me Alex died or that your kids are gone? Nothing? You don't think that's gonna cause pain throughout our entire family? That's never my intention. Well, you don't think I'm in pain? No, I don't. I think you were dancing on the beach having a great time. Getting married. And you took pictures to prove your kids don't deserve a burial, but you need to get wedding pictures? You don't think that's upsetting? Nobody knows. I'm sorry, honey. <laughs> then nobody knows except for you and the Lord. Yeah, ask him. I have. And guess what? I don't have one scripture that says it's okay for children to be thrown away like garbage in the ground. And that that's okay. There is nothing in the scriptures that is godly of hurting a child. Nothing. And they deserve a proper burial with family that loves them at the least. I can't support that. That's hurtful to everyone. That's the most selfish, incredibly selfish thing I can think of. I can't think of anything worse. I don't understand. I don't understand. This is not my Lolo that I've known and loved. I've never even seen you be upset with your kids. I went to bat for you and said that to everyone. I never have been upset with them. How can you just go on without them, without any upsetness, and without telling us anything, and they expect us to understand?
the world knows what I've been through. And I haven't expected you to. All you've seen is what's on TV. No, that's not what he says. And all the influences of all the people around. Okay, so now I'm deceived. No, Everyone in the world that. is deceived except for you. No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that. I'm saying nobody's seen me on the floor cry. Nobody knows what I've been through. With my children that I love more than anything. Lori, fine. You are dancing on a beach with a smile on your face, taking wedding photos. Yeah, months later. <laughs> you don't trying think? to go on with life, trying to be happy, trying to find some kind of happiness. You think I want to be alone? Do you think that your mother and your sister and your son don't deserve to know that the children are gone? Why wouldn't you call and tell us that? Why were we cut off? You saying you want to go on and be happy? You're just going to be happy without your family and your life until you're stuck in jail and I'm the only one stupid enough to be your friend when I've been your best supporter, Lori. I've loved you my whole life. I still do. I can't bear to think anything bad about you. It hurts me. I don't want to see you in jail. I don't want you to be there. I don't want people to misunderstand. If you would tell me the truth, I would stand up for you for the rest of time. You know that I would. I know you would. But there is nothing okay about this. Nothing. I know. If you think it's okay, well, you have greatly been deceived if you nothing think it is okay. Nothing is okay. Nothing about this is okay. Summer. We have all read the scriptures. I know you've told me about a lot of your spiritual experiences. You know I'm trying to support you in all of them. But I am telling you, because I love you with all my heart, please consider that Chad has lied and been deceived and that you have been deceived and that this is not what you think it is. There's nothing okay about killing children. Nothing. And even if you didn't kill them and Chad didn't kill them and Alex didn't kill them, you threw them away like garbage in the ground. You, Tyler's mom are burned. You, I can't handle going in that and threw her in a pet cemetery. You know that's so degrading. How could you let them do that? I don't understand. It's so painful. I can't even tell you. I don't know what I've been saying, but please consider that you have been deceived. That is not Christ-like. There's nothing good in that. There's nothing good in that. That's not a test for you. They were innocent. And they were loved. And they didn't deserve to be treated that way. And who loved them their whole life and took care of them their whole life. So why would you not be buried that way? I didn't. Well, then come up with an explanation publicly.
Oh, man. That is tough to hear. It is so tough to hear. You the... did an awesome job on the audio, though. Good job. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I think it's quite a bit better. Those jail yeah. calls are awful, but I... It's so strange to me as, as Summer is so upset. Lori just gets calmer and calmer and calmer. Mm -hmm. You know me. Where have we heard that before? Uh, yeah, she says that to Melody, everybody. Colby. Yeah. Yep. Disgusting. So and calm then, and so patronizing. Yep. Yep. And that piece uh, where she's calling her out about dancing on the beach while her kids are buried in Chad's backyard. And she says, mm -hmm. that was months ago. Yeah. Oh, Lori. Mm -hmm. That right there is probably going to be a nail in your coffin. She said something similar in the call to Colby. In both of these calls, she has acknowledged. Mm -hmm. That she knew. That she knew. Yeah. Which, I mean, yes, we all know she knew. But the jury doesn't. So, again, this is just proving this thing. But uh, this, the the way she acts in this call is so shocking. Her and response this is her, to someone being Her younger upset. sister, who's yeah. like her best friend or thought she was, but yeah. obviously had been really left out of a lot in the last year of her life. Mm -hmm. mm. Yep. And that whole routine about the Lord. We'll go ask him. Uh-huh. Yeah. Enough. For the love. Right. Nothing made any of this okay. No yeah. one saw me crying on the floor. Are you kidding me? Right yeah, now? Yeah, all she did was just try to make herself the victim. That was yeah. so gross. So huge props to Summer. Because that is definitely the most meaningful exchange we have heard with Lori. Yeah. Uh, that uh, really illustrates Lori at her core. Oh my god. Doesn't it, though? But remember that in the spring, Tylee had been working for Summer's husband. Right. I think he's a chiropractor. I think and, so. Or something along that uh, those lines. And I would imagine that Summer works there, too. They probably had been spending a lot of time together. And then Tylee's just gone off the map. Yeah. That's why I used that picture of Summer and Tylee for the video. Yeah. Because we've seen so much from... Woodcocks about JJ. Yeah. We just don't hear as much about family grieving for Tylee. No. And and I'm glad there clearly are a lot of people grieving for Tylee. I really yeah. appreciated Brenda Boudreaux's um perspective yes. on Tylee. And now you see and his Summer. relationship with Tylee. Yeah. Yes, that there were definitely people yeah. that um that loved yeah. Tylee and mourned Tylee too. Absolutely. And I mean I know that Annie and Colby do. But I don't know. It just hasn't felt quite the same. Right. Well, I mean, Woodcocks have been so prolific. Yeah. And yeah. I will, to their credit, they have tried very hard to include Tylee in the conversation. You they know, have. They, they have tried really hard to not leave her out of the conversation. But truly, Tylee wasn't their kin. She wasn't their blood. And they didn't know her very well. Yeah. You know, Lori made sure of that. Oh, yeah. Lori isolated Tylee in every opportunity she had. It was That's so clear. We yeah. hear about that over and over again. Yeah, most definitely. So that's where uh, the direct ended. That was, yeah. there were no further questions from Ralph. That was definitely a great place to stop. I did want to address Deb really quick. So yeah. Deb was talking about uh, strychnine as a possible yeah. 
And, and, you know, we've looked at strict nine and we really wondered about that for um, uh, Alex, yeah. Alex. Here's the problem though. You know how you said that it causes this arching of the neck and back and the rigid arms and legs and jaw tightness. It causes something called a rictus grin. Go look it up if you want to have nightmares. But a rictus grin is really obvious that if you get a rictus grin, you've been poisoned. Like there are only a few poisons that cause it. That's all that generally causes it is a rictus grin. Um, And so it's kind of known to be a fairly obvious poison for Mm -hmm. medical examiners to identify because of that. So I don't know, maybe he didn't get the rictus grin. I don't know. But that's one reason we were um, wondering, you know, about it. For sure. Well, and because, uh, but they did do a full autopsy on Alex too. Yeah, they did. And they came back with natural causes. They did say that that didn't uh, close the door to foul play, but it did, the autopsy did say natural causes. I just don't know that they don't know know how deep a toxicology it really was though. Yeah. Yeah. Rick Disgrin, I know it's terrible. I know about it only because I am a true crime podcaster. You <laughs> may or may want, may or may not want to look it up. It's horrifying, but um, it does. It is pretty uh, undeniable when you see it. Yeah. And yes, he was cremated, so we can't go back and look at more talks. I have a question that I have not been able to answer today, and I'm hoping somebody knows this answer, but maybe they mm. don't. Mm. How did Cox's find out that Alex was dead? I'm not sure. Did Zulima contact them? It was obviously not Maury. Yeah. Not gross. Your brother dies and you don't even but tell also, your own how parents. How long was Alex dead before siblings? the Coxes were, yeah, were brought abreast? I did a little bit of uh, legwork today on that, trying to answer that question for myself, and I couldn't. So, uh, you know, however, you know, there is so much out there about this case, and I will promise that I haven't seen it all. So mm. maybe someone else knows. Yeah, Maybe the police, Halo, I wondered about that maybe. too. Maybe. I would really like to know the answer to that question. How did they find out? Yeah. How horrifying also, that Lori didn't tell them. That she said, I'm glad Alex is gone if he had something to do with this. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right. Some of you guys are saying you thought that it was said that it was the news. That wasn't said today, but if it was said another day, maybe it was. Um. That's just maybe funny. Melanie P. That's a good point, Stella. Maybe Melanie. She's t- seemed P. to do a lot of death notification. Yeah. So maybe it was her. Well, yeah, she waited to tell. Uh, oh, the uncle was interviewed oh, today. I'm pretty sure he said it was the news. Oh, thank okay. you, Kat. Okay. Interesting. I haven't yeah. had a chance to watch that yet. Can you imagine? And Lori knew. Mm-hmm. Lori freaking knew, but couldn't be bothered to let them me. know. Yeah. yeah. True. Every time she kills, she doesn't inform anyone. And yes, she didn't tell uh, Charles's kids for a while mm-hmm. and then was super cagey about it and would never really tell him the truth. Yeah. Well, and did a real weird thing when uh, Joe Ryan died, too, with yes. uh, Annie. Mm-hmm. It yep. all just seems so guilty to me. Yep. Yeah. Seems real guilty to me. And she's done it so yeah. many times. For sure. All right. So going back to... Uh, to summer so on cross was archibald the first thing he said was i'm sorry you had to relive that well jim i think we're all real sorry we had to live through that but thanks right. to your client that's where it's at and you better be damn nice to summer because nobody is going to be okay with you being shitty to her after that mm-hmm. uh they're two years apart Lori's two years older than summer 
They talked about Mary's first, uh, or Mary's, Lori's first marriage that happened when Summer was 16 that uh, didn't last very long. And then the second marriage, which lasted a little bit longer than the first, but still not that long. Then Summer talks about Lori's third marriage to Joe Ryan. They got married. And then Summer got married in 2000 and had lived in a separate state. So she and Lori weren't as close as they had been. She did say Lori had been trying to protect her kids from Joe Ryan. And Archibald asked her about the call where Summer tells Lori she would never do anything to hurt her children. And Summer says it's because of the way she saw Lori with her kids that she didn't think she'd do anything to hurt her children. Yeah. Archibald asked if Summer's involved in her sister's life when Charles and Lori had separated. Summer said she was, but she was not aware that Charles filed for divorce until it came out in the media. She thought they had reconciled. Yeah. Lori, Lori was lying to her like crazy. Lying to her right and left. <clears throat> uh, Archibald asked Summer to describe Tylee. Frankly, I felt like Archibald's cross uh, was quite damaging. She said I would, uh, to, to Lori, not to the prosecution, I would describe her as beautiful, witty, and very talented in a lot of ways. Archibald asked if Tylee had health problems. Uh, Summer talked about her pancreatitis. And then he asked about Lori and Tylee's relationship, and she said that Tylee had a little sassy streak in her. But I always felt Lori was very patient with her. Lori loved her and Tylee loved her mom. She confirmed that she was never concerned for the safety of Tylee around Lori. Archibald said, would you ever imagine your sister wanting to kill her kids? Summer, who is now sobbing again on the stand, says no. Archibald said, would you ever imagine your sister wanting to conspire to kill her kids? And Summer says no. Summer in late 2018 uh, Lori and Alex both brought up multiple lives and multiple creations to Summer. She said it was a new teaching and not consistent with their religious teachings. Right. Uh, she said it was new to her. Interesting how everything they do and say is a teaching. That's very Mormon speak. That is know? very Mormon speak. Yeah. Yeah. Before 2018, she had never talked to her about uh, past lives, about zombies, uh, but she did tell her about her ability to cast out evil spirits and the dark and light scales. Again, this was brand new terminology to Summer. Uh, Archibald asked Summer if she was concerned about the new religious beliefs. She responded, of course, I care about my sister, but I don't really know what to think about it. Summer then describes Alex as fun and hilarious. This, I think, was important. Fun and hilarious, but sometimes crude. Most weekends, he was at her house playing with her kids. Alex suffered a brain injury as a teenager. Never heard that before. And Summer believes it affected him. He seemed stuck in making teenage decisions. He got in his car accident when he was 16 and made decisions like a 16-year-old for most of his life. Yeah. It explains a lot about it Alex. Does. And about the way that he puppy-dogged Lori and, mm -hmm. you know, probably yep. didn't make his own decisions particularly well and needed help and guidance yeah. a lot yeah yeah right and what made him so easy to manipulate yes yep absolutely yep okay archibald asked summer if she's in touch with colby she confirmed that she is and archibald says colby testified that Lori changed after she met chad and summer agreed with that statement no further questions so Ranmal on direct, 
or, or back on uh, redirect, says uh, he asked her to recall on that phone call that Lori told Summer the kids were safe, the phone call in February. And then he said, Ms. Shiflett, she lied to you about them being safe, Rammel says. I believe so, Summer says. Kind of surprised they didn't, nobody uh, objected to that statement. Yeah, it's kind of a statement, not a question. Mm -hmm. uh, no further questions for Rammel. The next witness is Rick Schmidt. He's a retired police Rexburg detective. Yeah. Uh, he worked at BYU-Idaho in public safety and retired from the Rexburg Police Department two years ago after 21 years of service. He was one of those guys that was of the uh, Rick's College uh, illegal police force, I think. That then well, he was a Rexburg. He was a detective. Police. Yeah. And he was a detective, and then he went to work for public safety. Oh, okay. He was on the on the other side of that. Okay. Yeah. So, and he was. I thought he did a great job. Uh, okay. Rachel Smith was on direct. And so they talk about the Jeep. That's when he first came on this case, when they were surveilling the Jeep, like a lot of them were. Mm -hmm. uh, on December 17th, he was assigned to go with other detectives to Springville, Utah, to interview family members of Chad and Tammy Daybell. Because, yeah. you know, shit went down in Rexburg and it didn't seem right. And that's when they finally started to figuring out that something was wrong with this whole thing with Tammy. Yeah. Uh, he talks about uh, investigating changes in Tylee's Venmo account, about receiving footage from the Fremont County Sheriff's Office that showed the entrance to Yellowstone National Park, where they were, as we know, visiting. We've seen all of this. Mm -hmm. uh, he was able to get more video from Yellowstone. He found video of Alex, Lori, and Tylee visiting the park and at the gate. On February 2nd, he went with Chuck Consitus uh, to Self Storage Plus after the owner released surveillance video to EastIdahoNews.com. Police obtained the video and noticed many days where Chad, Lori, and Alex were visiting the storage facility. You know, in some ways, Nate was one step ahead. <laughs> he, he obtained some uh, evidence before the police did. Uh, that happened a few times. But... Mm -hmm. So... <clears throat> They're talking about all of the trips back to the storage unit, about uh, that they got a spare tire and a car seat out of the Nissan Rogue and put it in the storage unit. And the seat itself looked like it was from the Jeep Wrangler. And remember that uh, Brandon Boudreaux said that the back tire that's like on the back door of a Jeep wasn't there. It was in the storage unit, but yeah. Anyway, this well, and that it thought seen. that uh, Alex laid in the back of that Jeep with the seat out. They took the yeah. seat out. So we could lay in the back to shoot at Brandon Boudreau. Mm -hmm. uh, at one time, Alex came and took a bunch of totes along with a long rifle case. On October 22nd, Alex took a gun storage case and tote out of the storage unit and put it in his pickup. On October 28th, he took four gun storage cases and put them in his pickup. How many guns were in his storage unit? I don't know. I mean, there were 46 guns, so there were a shit ton of guns everywhere. Yeah. Chad was with Alex on this visit. Uh, on January 2020, he went to the Unified Sportsman Club to see if Alex had visited. Uh, they admitted an exhibit showing records of when Alex had signed into the club. Now, this is interesting 
because Alex was signing in different during different names. And and the Unified Sportsman Club is just a, a shooting range that is like a like they don't man it. You go, you put you sign your name, you put your money in the box. It's just on the honor out on the desert. Out on the desert. He was just out there to practice. Cuz he was a bad shot. But this is interesting because on the sign-in sheet, he signed in as Alex Cox. He signed in as just Alex and as C. Quint. His license plate on his vehicle was C.P. Quint. Well, Alex's favorite movie was Jaws. His family says he knew the words, all of the lines to Jaws by heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, Captain Quint is a character in Jaws. Right. So he signed into the club uh, on October 6, 2019. That creeps me out because that's my favorite movie of all time. Right? Not anymore. (laughs) in my jaws. What the hell? God damn it, Alex. On October 7th, Sequent signed in again. Then Sequent uh, a whole bunch of times actually signed in on a whole bunch of different days. Again, like this is just a place where people go shoot for firearms practice. There's no super official way to sign in but Mm-mm. uh as police searched chad daybell's house on june 9th schmidt was assigned to keep an eye on chad in case he left the property he said at one point in time when the search dogs were on the scene chad got out of his vehicle that was parked in the driveway in front of the house they were searching the area where jj's remains were and found chad facing towards that direction uh, at that point, Lieutenant Ball and Hermesio came over to talk to Chad. He said at some point in time, Chad went back into the house. He came out with a backpack and got into his vehicle. He sat there in his vehicle and then drove across the street to his daughter's house. At some time, Chad came out of Emma's house, got in his vehicle, and started going south on 1900 East in Fremont County. He was eventually stopped and arrested. Yeah, he panicked and tried to run and as we know while he was doing all of that waiting he had a phone call with his attorney he had a phone call with Lori, and he transferred eight thousand dollars into three of his oldest uh, or his three oldest kids bank accounts yep. from his bank account yeah okay so schmidt says that uh After they arrested him, they took him to the Fremont County Jail and then came back to the house. And he was assigned to help search the fire pit and pet cemetery areas. They found teeth. uh, He found teeth, burned pieces of bone, and burned human flesh. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nate uh, had said that the Woodcocks did not attend this afternoon. They must have known. They're always there, so he figured they probably already knew that there was going to be some hard shit today. Yeah. Boy, was there. The phone call was hard. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So he says, this was interesting. He said some of the dirt was pretty hard and it appeared somebody had put concrete or cement in the ground. Interesting. So Chad mm-hmm. had taken some steps to try it. And I was thinking about this with my husband. We were hashing this out. Like, surely he didn't think that pouring a little cement in the earth would keep that from someone digging through it. And we realized this was probably to make it too hard for a local dog to dig into. Yeah. Or or other, you know, pet yeah. pest. He was probably trying to make the ground hard enough to keep animals out. So one thing that happened after uh, the kids were missing, 
Lori has gone to Hawaii. She's come back. Now Chad's just living in his house, just hanging out while Lori's, you know, in jail. He went to Fremont County and petitioned them to allow him to put a double wide on the back part of that property. Uh, It would have gone right over that area. Uh, But the county said no, because it was against uh, zoning code. Mm -hmm. So then he called a local cement place and had them come out and give him a bid for pouring a cement pad. And he told them on the phone. And listen, the reason we know this is because I was reading comments right after the kids were found or sometime around that time in a news article. And a man said, well, Chad called my son's business and wanted a cement pad uh, poured, but it just didn't see, it didn't work out, but it seemed really weird. So I messaged the guy and I'm like, Hey, what, uh, what can you tell me? So he messaged his son and his son sent us a little statement about it. He said that Chad told him that he wanted an RV pad to park a camper on. And that's really normal around here, you know? Oh, yeah. Everybody has one, a camper at least. But he got out there and where he wanted the pad was clear out in the middle of his pasture. Not where you would like back up your fifth wheel and park it and leave it in a convenient place. He wanted yeah. it clear out. Maybe like next to that weird garage that it doesn't look like anyone parks in. Right. But uh, but no, he wanted it clear out in the middle of the... Uh, of that acreage of that uh, where the pet cemetery was is where Mm -hmm. he wanted it. And that was just really weird. And anyway, it didn't work out. I think they told him they couldn't do it or he wanted it to be a no dig. He wanted it to, he said he wanted them to not dig into the earth that they wanted to float it on top of the earth. And for whatever reason, it didn't work out and they didn't end up doing it. I think they said no. I, they I were like, they this too. is weird. We don't know what this is. We're not mm-hmm. doing it. We're not doing it. Well, I, I believe they told him they would have to dig into the earth a little bit to be able to put it in. Well, yeah, and you don't just pour cement no on top of the ground. Mm-hmm. They dig it. They dig down and, you know, flatten it and probably put gravel under it and all that stuff. Yeah. So this was in the spring of 2020, sometime between the time that Lori was extradited in February and Chad Ooh. was arrested in June. Yeah. Yep. So, no, this was after the kids were buried. Yeah. This was after the kids were buried. Yeah. So, anyway, I was thinking about that the other day about that. Uh, he was trying so hard to cover that up somehow. Yeah. So, let me get back to my notes here. Uh, they did call in a backhoe at first, but eventually when they started coming across body parts, they made the decision not to use the backhoe anymore and just dig by hand. Yeah. Uh, and that's what they did. They found a melted green bucket that contained Hailey's remains. And then, of course, under the bucket was a partial skull. So. Ooh, this makes me nauseous to think about what they did to her body. Yeah. So Smith had no further questions for Schmidt. So John Thomas uh, cross-examined. Thomas asked Schmidt about the storage unit surveillance videos. Surveillance videos. He said he reviewed them like a month ago. Uh, 
he asked about the sportsman club, how that works to sign in. And that's when he said, it's just a people check in on your honor. There's nobody monitoring it. Mm -hmm. uh, Thomas told Schmidt that he's making an assumption that sequent is Alex Cox. Schmidt said, that's correct. Uh, that's what his license plate says. So we're assuming that that was him. Um, also, he signed in else. there as Alex and as Alex Cox. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, we, we think it's a good assumption, Thomas. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. He asked him if he'd followed up to see if anyone saw Alex there. He said he did not. Then he wanted to know where they found the teeth and burned flesh. Mitch said it was in the fire pit area. They've Sometimes. asked every single one of these guys that question, and it's just weird and gross. I know. I keep wondering why. What's the gotcha? Yeah. When's it Because they're showing photos the whole time yeah. of this stuff. Like, Oh, yeah. What, you want the pinpoint places where the fragments of bone and teeth were found? Like, what the hell? Right. Stop talking about it. So they release Schmidt. Uh, the next witness is Steve Daniels. Daniels is also a special agent with the FBI. Uh, Wood is on direct. Daniels has worked for the FBI for 25 years. He's been through the evidence response team training at Quantico. Very well qualified to be on this case. Yeah. Uh, so the evidence response team is also known as the ERT, and they were asked to come and up with a search strategy to execute a search warrant on June 9th and 10th at Chad Daybell's property. Of course, they were looking for human remains and other evidence of crime. Uh, police got to the Daybell property on June 9th. They prepared for they were prepared for a week of work. Yeah. And eight ERT members were tasked with the role before they got to the house. Oh no, sorry, they prepared for a week. At any rate. Oh, right, right. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, one person was the photographer and created a crime scene login sheet. Daniels did an initial walkthrough of the scene and priority areas were noted. So they've been planning this for a while mm -hmm. and, of course, had their warrants in place and were fully ready to tackle this. Two people were assigned to assess the fire pit area. Based on cell phone data, the team had mapped out areas to look on the property that included the pet cemetery. Another area of interest was the pond. Daniel said they wanted to look at the entire three to four acres, sheds, outbuildings, everything needed to be searched. I mean, it was a big job. Daniel says that 500 to 700 photos were taken on the property the day they served the warrant. Wow. He said a Faro scanner was used at the scene. This is a high-tech laser scanner, as well as what's called a total station tool on the scene. Uh, Nate says that a lot of the jurors were taking notes as Daniel was speaking. He said they also used a drone during the search. Mm -hmm. uh, Wood asked to admit and exhibit Daniel's compiled of photos and evidence. Thomas, of course, has some questions before the exhibit is admitted. And then doesn't object, actually. <laughs> so what's he going to object to? Really? Yeah. They looked at a satellite map showing the Rexburg-St. Anthony area. Some key locations were marked, like Lori's apartment, Chad's property. The Salem Church is where the police staged. Uh, and then Walmart and BYU-Idaho. I, I, and I wondered if the Salem Church is where Ch uh, Alex 
there was a couple of times that they said that Alex had left his vehicle at a local church. And I wondered mm -hmm. if it was the Salem church. That's not yeah. very far. No, it isn't. I would assume that was the church they were talking about out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what they had is, you know, the picture that showed impressions or changes to the ground. That's what they were looking at from like a Google Maps perspective. Yeah. And once they noticed those changes, that's when they started processing that area. So, of course, there's the fire pit. And at first they were using mesh screens that were brought in to catch any possible pieces of evidence, potential bones, jewelry, or anything else that could be significant. Uh, the smell was so overpowering around the fire pit area there that they actually took a soil sample for later testing. They found a necklace chain and a silver charm near the fire pit. We've never heard that before. Yeah. The total station tool mapped out sites where the bodies were buried. The information was used to measure distances on the property. At this point, they go to recess. When they come back, Daniel shows an image of the pet cemetery. In front of the dog statue were some disturbed areas where Daniel thought the uh, human remains could be. They used hand tools before a backhoe. And then, of course, as we know, after they started finding stuff, they ditched the backhoe and went back to hand tools. Mm -hmm. He said uh, they showed an image of a piece of bone sticking out of the dirt. He said, with the size of the bone being found, I could also smell an odor I could associate with human remains decomposing. So between this bone being found and the second bone being found, the decision was then made to not use the tractor anymore. Then they show some bricks uncovered by the tractor. So uh, they put flat, like rock paver type things over to JJ. They put bricks over Tylee. Mm -hmm. This ended up what they called Tylee's grave site, but understand that was kind of scattered because they found remains in that whole little area. Mm -hmm. Uh they saw a photo that he called the first pieces of Tylee being uncovered. At this point, they were unsure what they found, but it was a bigger bone. Yeah, they and, didn't even know what they were looking at for sure, if it was even human. Yeah. Uh, the next photo shows pieces of Tylee's remains covered from the ground at the end of the day. Uh, at that point, we established a new perimeter around her burial site and came up with a better excavation plan. The remains were placed on a blue tarp. Yeah. The next photo was close-up view of the pieces identified as Tylee. You can see the bigger bones sticking out of the ground, Daniel said. He said her remains were melted together in the ground. God. The remains were placed in a body bag given to the coroner and removed from the scene. We see a photo of what the burial site looked like after the remains were out of the ground. Crews continued their search. On June 10th, blue tarps were placed on the ground and a sifting operation was set up to find more possible remains in the ground. We now see a photo of a mass of human dismembered, melted, and a green bucket with part of a skull. It took a while for us as investigators to figure out what happened here, what this is, Daniel said. He also said we wanted to show how these... Remains were buried so we can show the story of what happened here. Yeah. 
The next photo they showed was Tylee's skull next to a melted bucket. He said they tried to lift the remains out of the ground, but they all fell apart. They were able to collect them and put them in a body bag. They had an anthropologist on site and the anthropologist and coroner separated the remains so an inventory could be done on what parts they had. They weren't sure how many pieces they were still looking for. Can you imagine? No, I can't. Then they showed I'm a feeling nauseated. Then they showed pictures of body uh, parts placed on the coroner's body bag. Uh, partly because they weren't sure if this was one person or two. So they'd asked for an inventory of the parts. Right. Uh, after all the human remains were collected, they did use a backhoe to dig deeper and wider into the burial sites. He said, this is especially important on JJ's burial. His was the first burial we found, and we wanted to make sure Tylee's remains weren't in the same area. Yeah. Wood asked Daniels if the police searched the shed and the barn. They did. He said, knowing that we are dealing with a burial, one of the things we are interested in is tools. And there were some tools in the picture of the inside of the barn. There were some tools hanging or leaning on the wall in the shed. Then they showed a picture of a pickaxe and some shovels that were seized as evidence. They were leaning against a wall next to a green bucket and two white buckets. There was a close-up photo of the pickaxe and some material. There was some material on the blade portion. A close-up image of two shovels shows how dirty they were. Uh, Daniel said it could potentially be ash or other things on the shovel. Mm -hmm. They also took... Uh, Bush clippers, some saws, and an axe from the garage. Oh, there were some bricks on the side of the shed that they also seized because they were similar to the ones found at Tylee's burial site. I mean, Chad was just grabbing random shit from his property and yeah. trying to use that to make the burial site a little easier. Mm -hmm. And to dismember her. Mm -hmm. Then they showed photos of the pond area where JJ was found. They were showing how there was taller grass around the burial site. That's one of the things that stuck out to them is that there was taller grass there, you know. And also there was a raised berm with less grass and vegetation than the surrounding area. So it, uh, it looked different than it had the year before. Daniels is describing how police went layer by layer to remove uh, the ground near the pond. He said at that point they didn't know if it was a burial spot or not. But then they saw those big three rocks where officers had removed some of the soil. Those three rocks laid out there, the flat ones that were laid over uh, JJ. Yeah. He said, this is screaming to me as a team leader that something is odd. Something shouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. And then they sidebar and they called it for the rest of the day. That was it. Yep. Uh, he said that he... Nate said he had not seen Lori look up for the last hour. You know, remember the last time they showed remains of the kids, she tried to demand to be removed from the courtroom. Right. So today she just stared at her notebook and kept taking notes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's what happened today. That was all of court. Yeah. That's certainly enough. Right? My God. Yeah.
Yep. Let's see. Somebody, yeah, the Sportsman's Club is just a shooting range. Mm-hmm. It's like it's got all these like little uh, facades of old time buildings mm-hmm. and stuff. I used to live out near it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just out in the desert. There's nobody there manning it or anything. It's just Mm-mm. people just show up and sign in and they're supposed to leave a certain amount of money to help to keep it maintained. Mm-hmm. Yep. So why didn't they target Chad's kids? Why just Lori's? Well, they didn't have enough time. Well, also most of Chad's kids were adults or older teenagers. Like they were practically out of the house anyway. They weren't dependent. But they also weren't uh, countering their dad. Right. They weren't getting in the way and asking questions. There was no money to be gained, we think. Mm -hmm. And so why? But like I said... They just didn't have enough time. They may have. Who knows? Had these two not been caught when they were, who knows who else they would have killed? Because yeah, who else's kids were going down? Because they were all supposed Mm -hmm. to be kidless to be part of the one hundred and forty-four thousand. Well, some of Melanie Pulaski's kids had been identified as dark. Yes, that's right. It's a miracle. I mean, it's horrifying that these amount of people died. But it's a miracle nobody else did. And had they had more time, there would have been more deaths. I am absolutely certain of it. I think there's any doubt of that. Yeah. Yep. So it could be. Chad's kids could have been on the chopping block at some point. Some of them. We just don't know. Yep. So that's that's it. Any more comments or questions? Or There's a lot of comments, but I don't know that we can't get to all of it. But... uh, that's kind of where things are. Yep. We'll see oh, what comes I up wonder how week. the jurors feel. It would be difficult to know. There might be more gruesome details. I know. I've okay. thought about the jurors a lot. I'm sure you guys have too. In wondering, I mean, after last week, I'm sure they were going, mm-hmm. "What the hell?" And then now, uh, just more and more stuff comes out. I can't even imagine no, how me either horrifying this is you know there was a man that was on that was called that i believe was released that had uh, a a child that died and he was concerned you know he was he was a potential juror he was concerned that this would be too difficult for him and Mm -hmm. prosecutor smith agreed that it it would Mm -hmm. Uh, not things that he should have to see yeah but i can't even imagine how the jury feels right now it's just crazy Thank you, Kristen. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, I am an audio producer, so I have like professional software and stuff. So yeah, it, it doesn't take much to get rid of some of that terrible background. And I know some places they don't, you know, for court, it has to be the original. But for us, we can yeah. certainly listen to a better version. Yeah. Yes. Well, and those jail calls are just really hollow. They're really hard. Yeah. Oh, they are so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Archibald does not like the jury taking notes. He's told them twice now. They don't need to take notes. They'll get a summary at the end. Well, that's okay. That's weird. If they want to. Yeah. Well, right. He like, has no right to tell the jury what they can or can't do anyway. That's the judge's job, not the mm-hmm. defense attorney's job. And they were told in the beginning that they could take mm-hmm. notes, but that they wanted them to pay better. At, or, you know, they wanted them to not take so many notes that they weren't paying attention to what was going on. Yeah. But some of this stuff is very technical and detailed. Some of the uh, the FBI stuff is, uh, and also mm-hmm. if you haven't, can you imagine our jurors' notes, you know? Mm-hmm. 
it's wild. It sure, is. you will need counseling. Can you imagine? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Cat Link, I talked, my husband and I talked about this today. Can you imagine being a traumatized juror and not be able to talk to your partner about this when you get home at night? Right. That you have to just, you're expected to just carry this with you. Till the trial's over. Potentially 10 weeks. It'll never go 10 whole weeks, but, but still you're expected to just carry all of this horror with you and all of the questions you probably have and the musings that you have and Mm -hmm. the trauma that it might've triggered for you. And you're supposed to just hold on a little bit longer. Yeah. It's a big ask, really big ask. Yeah. So Darla will be in court tomorrow. Mm-hmm. and so and aunt sue and so mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll have notes from them tomorrow so we will set, hook you up with that mm-hmm. i will be in court on thursday christy you'll be in court on friday yep so there'll be full coverage from us through the end of the week and we'll yes, have a live every night talking yep. about it you sure will that's what's up i wonder how much longer it will go you know i still feel like we've got a couple of weeks at least i mean we're, at least we're only at uh i think maybe 31 or 32 jurors now or 32 uh, witnesses now yeah and there were it's more than 90 many. called subpoenaed so but will they call all of them we don't know maybe they won't and so they were all subpoenaed so that's pretty official you know but it's possible right. that they won't bring them all in depending on how things are going so they feel like they don't need them I mean, there is a lot of repetition already. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of repetition. Well, yeah, because they're getting all those little pieces of evidence pulled in and put together. Right. Uh, Yeah. So, and yeah, we haven't gotten to Tammy. We haven't gotten to. We haven't gotten to any of the autopsies. The autopsies. Also, there's a lot of text messages we haven't heard yet. I don't know that there are any more phone calls with Lori. We only knew of these three. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe I, I can't say there won't be, but uh, these were the only three that we knew of uh, existing. Yeah, that have been mentioned. So yeah, I don't know. That's right. But uh, I kind of doubt it. Lori wasn't talking to anybody, unless they have more Lori Chad conversations that they want to share. Because those two talked on the phone nonstop for months until he was arrested. Yeah, they yeah. did. Yeah. Yep. Yep. There's got to be quite a lot more to go on Tammy. I just thought that uh, that cell phone data from Alex today. Wow. That's friggin' chilling. Mm -hmm. Because that's been a question I think everybody's had. Was Chad or was Alex actually involved in Tammy's death? And I think it's pretty clear now that he was. Yep. Yep, for sure. All righty. Well, I think we are going to call. Why do they need so many burner phones, Kristen? Good question. Because they thought they were shifty. Well, and they would—they didn't use them all at the same time. They would use a burner phone for a certain amount of time, and then they would stop using it and stop putting money on it and use a different yeah. one. So they weren't all in circulation at the same time. But Lori had nine phones with her when she was arrested. Nine! Insane. The hell? But they certainly knew what they were doing. That they had done some wrong things and were on the run. Kat says, I feel a good chance Garth will be called. Well, that would be very interesting. I mean, he was there the night Tammy died. He was. Does that make you wonder. Interesting. And he's there's been a couple of stories told. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That would be very interesting. We'll see. Yeah. There's still plenty. I mean, there we still haven't seen Melanie Pulowski. We haven't seen Ian. We mm-hmm. haven't seen Ian's ex-wife, Natalie. Mm-hmm. And so many more. There's oh, so yeah. much more to come. Yeah. There is, definitely. Yep. All righty, guys. Well, 
that's it. <laughs> Thanks so much mm -hmm. for being here. We'll be back tomorrow night. Tomorrow's Wednesday night. Our normal case updates happen at 7 p.m. So we're going to do them at 7 p.m. Per yep. yep. Yeah, Garth was on the grand jury list. Yeah, he so he easily mm -hmm. could be here. Yep, yep. for sure. All righty, guys, if you want to support us, you can head over to truecrimesquad.com and leave us a tip on PayPal or buy us a coffee. We appreciate it. Uh, obviously, this is an insane amount of work, but we are here for it. And uh, mm -hmm. it's like all I can think about. I'm sure you guys, too. So thanks so much for being here and all of your support, you guys. We appreciate you very much. This has been yet another production of the True Crime Squad. Bye, everybody. <laughs>